this, the kids ministry at your church right here at Champion Forest is passionate about one thing. Do you know what that one thing is? Raising up the next generation of Christ followers. Yes, and how do we do that? We do that by teaching children God's Word. And how do we do that? By loving them, by playing with them, by taking God's Word and bringing it to life on their level. And you're probably thinking, Steph, that sounds like the greatest thing in the world. It is. And you're probably thinking, how can I be part of that? (laughs) And I know that you are. So here's what I want to show you. This is amazing. If you can't see it here, when you're walking to the worship service, then uh, you can check it out. It'll be going up the ramp towards the worship center. But this is preschool. This is special blessings. I don't know if you know, but we have a special needs program in class. These are greeters, and this EL stands for elementary. Now, all three hours at church on Sunday, we are raising up the next generation of Christ followers. At night, they're up there right now. They're down there right now getting the word, okay? Just like you're in here, they're in there getting God's word, 930, 1045, and 1215. And you think, well, Steph, what does it take for us to raise up the next generation of Christ followers? Well, at 930 in preschool, it will take us 74 teachers Assuming that every one of these teachers will serve every week. Now, if somebody says, oh, Steph, I want to be part, but I can't miss Mark. Mark is amazing at 930. Then I'll do every other week. I would probably say he's online, but you didn't hear me say that. I'm just kidding. Uh, Then that would mean we would have to double this number. So at 9.30, you can see in our special blessings, four leaders, our greeters, just to run kids' ministry on a Sunday morning at 9.30. It takes 16 because some of you will get to stand at the door and you'll get to say, excuse me, do you have your sticker? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Come on back. Oh, excuse me, you don't have your sticker? Oh, if you could just go right over here to the greeter desk. That's what you would get to do. It's simple. You could do that. Okay, then at elementary, it would take 52. Now, that's only at 930. Check out 1045. Okay, we're repeating. Then at 1215, you see the total number of leaders it takes for us. So here's my question. Would you consider for one year... And say, you know what, Steph, I will give an hour and a half every Sunday morning, and you get two Sundays off. Okay, Christmas, that's amazing. Okay, an hour and a half every Sunday to raise up the next generation. Do you know how many hours that would be out of your year this year? I think if I did my math right, it's 72. Now, think about seven. how many days of your year is that? Is it very many? So let me ask you, would you consider making a difference? Would you consider going and making disciples of this next generation each Sunday? And if you're like my husband, I'm going to be honest, my husband's name is Rick. He's amazing. And after COVID, he was ready to come back. He's like, okay, Steph, I'm coming back. But here's the deal. I'll serve anywhere you need me in kids ministry, but not around kids. My husband does not like kids, okay? Isn't that funny? So I was like, I got you, babe. No problem. So guess where Rick serves? 
sits right there at that greeter desk, okay? And he doesn't have to, you know, handle kids at all. He just greets the parents, welcomes them in. So, listen, we need you. We need you to help us change the world, change eternity, change this generation, this next generation. So you're saying, how can I do that? Well, we're going to make it simple. We're going to pass around this clipboard. You just write your name down. Now, some of you may be thinking, I already serve on Sunday morning. What else can I do? Sunday nights, did anybody do our RAs and GAs as a kid. Yeah. We still have RAs and GAs on Sunday nights. And on Wednesday nights, we have WOW. And Miss Beth Mitchell would love for you to serve with her. So, of course. Okay, so I wanted to ask a question. So right now, B, pass around your uh, clipboards right now and pass them back and forth. Keep them in your section and, and send them back. Stephanie, how many times have you had to redo this because some kid went and went like this <laughs> to, your, to your board? Okay, three times to redo this. So she's going to have this downstairs for you to take a look at if you want to look at a little bit closer. And our children's ministry, our next generation ministry at Champion Forest is very, very important. And so we thank you that you're a part of that. David Caves, why don't you come up real quick, my friend, because you have a quick word on something going on in the Lear Theological Library. I'm excited, but just not as excited as Stephanie. I don't, think, I don't think there's enough excitement in, well, anyway, it's great to be with you. We have a great lecture coming up on August the 21st with Robert Morgan, who is an amazing uh, teacher, uh, worship leader, and he is going to be kind of the, the main center of a new course that we're doing. I think it's right up there, yeah, Church History and Music. And it actually is Church History Through Music. We've got some wonderful educators will be here, Randy Hatchett from Houston Baptist University, Tim Sharp from Trevecca University, Pam Vanderbalker as well from Atlanta. They're going to be here to instruct you, and our leader, our teacher is going to be teaching as well. He just doesn't know it yet. He's going to be doing it via video. Now, this if you haven't signed up for this lecture, please do. It's amazing. He's talking about how church music has been with us and has formed us and has shaped us through our histories and through the history of the church. This will bless your heart. If you're not careful, it'll bless your socks off, Mark. And uh, even when you're wearing cool socks, it'll bless your heart. But anyway, thank you for being, it's up there, number 12, I believe, slide number 12. Take a picture of it. And you can find all the information you need about it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. So, yeah, the, the deal is with these scan codes. If you take your camera and hold it up to that scan code, after a few seconds, something will come up, and you can click it, and it'll take you to the website. That's how that works. It's not just taking a picture of it. And, David, you just explained something very uh, helpful to me about blessing your socks off. Because last week, did y'all see Justin Holcomb preach here? At Champion Forest, our student minister, Justin, preached. He was not wearing any socks. Now I know why. <laughs> Very good. Okay, uh, the last thing, oh, two things. Today's membership class. If you're not a member of Champion Forest Baptist, come with me to the third floor after this, and we are going to have our membership class. I'm leaving right after I finish this last announcement, and that is a trip to Israel with uh, Mark and Becky and David Fleming and Beverly Fleming. And I have some brochures right here. 
as well as in the back. If you leave today, you can grab a brochure. But I noticed something messed up on your brochure. I think the picture of Holly and I, which is right here in the middle, it's, we're so light you can't even see us there. It's, it's really hard to see. So I went ahead and uh, brightened it up a little bit. I think you can see it better there so that there we are uh, in the brochure. So when you see the brochure, imagine it that way, all right? If there are any questions... And there are none. Let's pray. Ask the Lord to be gracious. Heavenly Father, today as we come before you, sitting here in your house to have the opportunity to hear your word and to know you, to make you known to our hearts and our minds so that we can be on mission for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for those who are coming to come to our membership class, that they would hear more about Champion Forest. You would help us as a church to be just what you've set aside to equip the saints for the work of service, which is what we'll be doing now in this room in this time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, that works. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, I, so I get to teach this morning, and then I get to preach in the, the service after this. And I'm excited and hope that some of you, uh, even online, will tune in, if you don't already, to the CFBC service. Uh, I'll be teaching on Esther, and I'm pretty stoked about it. But all things in due time. Before we get to Esther... We need to deal with one sentence and ten clauses. And that's what we're going to do here. Now, Paul, this is my picture of Paul for the day. Paul, we don't know what he looked like. We've got some ideas, but we don't know for sure. So this one looked pretty good. So Paul was an interesting fellow. I wish that I could meet him. Realize these letters that we've got, he was dictating...
sentence. Because Paul's just so stoked. He's just feeling it. And he's rolling it out there. It's one sentence with ten clauses. So that's the Paul we're looking at today. We're looking at the saint of clauses. He is the... The saint of clauses. Okay, it gets worse because there were ten clauses. So the way we're going to deal with this to divide these clauses up is, uh, first of all, we'll look at verse 1, and that's got four clauses in it. Then we're going to look at verse 2, and verse 2's got three, and then verse 3's got three. Verses 3 and 4 have three. And that's the way we're going to look at it. So we're going to start with verse 1. Are you ready? Let's roll. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Now it begins with the word, oh, time out. Go back. We've started chapter 2, but Paul didn't write chapter 2. Paul's still flowing from what he was dictating in chapter 1. So to get this in context, I want to go back last week and tell you, remind you, if you didn't see it, let you see it now. Paul saw all of life through the prism of the gospel or the death of Christ. So all of life in Paul's view, when you view it through the, the gospel, you get it in its depth. You get it with all of its colors. You get it with all of its component parts. But it should be seen, if you really want to understand what life's about, you need to see it through the gospel. And that's why Paul could say with clarity, like he did in 1 Corinthians 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because that is the prism through which all of life made sense. So Paul can speak of all of life when he talks about it in reference to the death of Christ and how that defines life. And I showed you this slide last week and I said, what exactly does that look like? And my answer was, that's what Paul's going to explain over the next umpteen verses. And if we go back to our English class and we write a theme statement, we understand that Paul's theme for these verses is found in Philippians 1.27. Here's his theme. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now that's his theme. And Paul's going to spend the next few verses, and we'll do today and next week and the week following. Actually, next week we don't have class. But we'll do today and the next two classes exploring what does it mean for our manner of life to be worthy of the gospel of Christ to be what as citizens of the kingdom of God we should be and that's where we are today we are trying to understand how the manner of our life should be if we want to be worthy not in the sense of earning the kingdom of God or the gospel of Christ uh, that word worthy there is talking about uh, it makes you uh, it's it's appropriate for you as a citizen it's your, your, your duty, your responsibility, not anything you're earning. So let your manner of life be responsible in light of the gospel of Christ. And here's what that means. 
And, and we get this from this word so. It's un in the Greek. It's the third word there in the Greek. But it's translated so or therefore. In other words, because then here. So you need to conduct your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Let me tell you what that means. That's what Paul's doing here. Now, when I was a kid, Oliver, probably about your age, maybe a little younger, I used to love in the Lubbock paper. So it definitely I was uh, older than you because <laughs> I didn't, when your age, when I lived in Lubbock. So in the Lubbock paper, they would have these two little, on the comic strip page, these two little like comics where you were supposed to find the five differences in the pictures. Do y'all remember those? And you'd just look at those pictures and you said, well, they're wrong. This, this is the week they tricked us. You know, this is the day they tricked us. There's no differences here. But then you start looking and, yeah, there's a little bit of difference between these two pictures there. And then you find another one. Okay, there. Did y'all ever do that? Okay, put that part of your brain into motion right now. And look at this over here. That's a capital E because it starts the sentence here. E-I. Epsilon Iota. Look at this Greek passage, even if you don't speak Greek, the way I've set it out. Can you find any more of those? Uh, Gwen's pointing them out to Larry. That's right, Gwen, you got them right. See? Look at that. That's the Greek word that's translated if. So Paul's saying if, 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 if. But in English, we just put it up there once. So if... And you kind of don't have the punch that Paul had the way Paul did it. Because Paul, after all, is Santa Claus. And each of those starts his clause. If, 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 if. Got it? Now look after if. This is the Greek letter T, I. And that's the way they would draw an S if it's at the end of a word. So that's tau, iota, sigma, tis in the Greek. And you can do it with or without the S, depending upon how it figures into a speech. So tis, a tis, a t. They just left the S off on that one. A tis, a tis. Tis is the Greek word that's translated here as any. And they do repeat that one so that you get a feel for some of the clause here. But Paul is saying, if there's any, if any, if any, if any, because he really wants you to get this clause action here. Because this is how he's relating this idea of let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. If there's any of this stuff, and the effect of it in the Greek is very rhythmic. Remember, Greek was almost sung more than talked. I mean, these accents in the Greek, we think that this accent meant you go up. This accent meant you go up and down. This accent up, up and down, up, 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 up. He's on the up and up. Uh, that one's down, down, up, and, and that's the way they'd sing it. 
And the net effect of this is it's, it's like, it's, it's in Greek, it's, it's like a speed bag. Do you know what a speed bag is? Well, I happen to have a video. Speed bag. Oops, hold on, hold on, hold on. My fault. That's two rebounds. Fist hits a bag, one, two, and comes back. Single fist here, you hear that beat? Changes. Sink double fist through. Single fist, fist rolling. Yeah, I was going to do a video of that myself, but my camera wasn't working. Um, so uh, I tried to get the one of Max doing it, but it was so rapid it wouldn't play on the machine because it just causes my whole computer to smoke because Max is just killing it. But that's this rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat formula that da 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 and it's in the Greek. And you can just see Paul dictating this da 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 I'm on a roll. Keep the sentence going. Because it's, it's all this stuff that the Holy Spirit's bringing to his mind about how to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And there's part of me that says, like Carl Barth, don't break it apart, just enjoy the whole show. But there's also part of me that says, no, we got to break it apart too because he's, it means something not just in the sense that it's the ta-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but it means something also because of what's in the ta-da-da-da-da-da-da. So let's look at it. We won't go into too much detail, but we will a little bit. If there's any encouragement, paraklesis, paraklesis, here it is in the Greek, paraklesis, any encouragement, paraklesis is a, 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 it puts together two different Greek words, but it's, it's used in the sense of not only encouragement, but lifting someone's spirits. It's used in the sense of comforting someone who needs comfort. It's used in the sense of consoling someone who needs consolation, or even calling to someone's aid. The, the, the idea is it's the same basic word as what Jesus says the Holy Spirit would be, the paraclete. The idea of the Holy Spirit will come. It's, it's to be called alongside someone. And that means to, 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 to help them, to, to console them, to comfort them. So Paul says, if there's any encouragement, but it's not just encouragement. Remember where this is in context. Last week I talked about the Olympics, horses, and suffering. Because the end of all of this was the suffering that we're enduring for the cross of Christ. And Paul's saying, look, if we're going to share the sufferings of Christ, which I talked about last week, understand we're also going to share in his victory. And we need to live with that mindset. Because that's the encouragement, that's the consolation, that's the, the, the consoling, that's the help and the aid that we get in Christ. It's that we're not simply, look, don't sign on to the program just to suffer. God doesn't call us to the program 
just to suffer. God says suffering is a part of this world and a part of this life, but so is victory in Christ for those who are in Christ. In the world you'll have tribulation, Jesus says, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So we have a consolation that's firmly rooted in Christ. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 1.5. And um, I've got a lot to get through today, so we'll do the best we can. It's a chore for me to do four verses in a day. 2 Corinthians 1.5. Uh, I just happen to have a pen in my pocket. 2 Corinthians 1.5. As we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And he uses the same word, paraclesis, there. So we share abundantly in his suffering, but we share abundantly in his comfort. We don't suffer, we don't grieve the way the world does when we grieve in faith. So with this idea of encouragement and lifting one another's spirits, that comes in Christ. That's where that becomes important. And this is also, Paul uses the same word in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. So in 1 Thessalonians, or 1 Thessalonians, actually probably legit to say that here because we don't know which was written first, 1 or 2 Thessalonians. Um, 4.18, Paul says that we are to encourage same root idea, each other with these words. Well, what are the words? That, 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 look, it's this whole passage starts, don't be uninformed about those who've died. We don't grieve the way others do. Since we believe Jesus died and rose again, even through Jesus, God's going to bring with him those who've fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. We who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, we're not going to precede those who've fallen asleep. The Lord himself's going to descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. See, the Thessalonians were worried. They thought Jesus was coming back any day now, and they were worried that the people who died before he came back were missed the boat. So Paul's explaining to them, no, 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 people don't miss the boat. In fact, they get on the boat first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and will always be with the Lord. So encourage one another. This is the comfort, the encouragement, the paraclesis. That this happens in Jesus. So, if there's any comfort, here's the next word, any encouragement, paraclesis, any comfort from love. Now, the word comfort, paramuthion, is an emphasis on what it is that offers the comfort. In other words, you, you can translate both words comfort. But what Paul's doing is he's talking first about the concept of, of feeling better about things because of who Christ is but he says that this feeling better about things isn't just simply okay 
Jesus died, I'll feel better. But it's rooted in love. God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's the love of God that compels us. It's the love of God that's the greatest of all things. And so the love of God is what we can draw comfort from. God is not out to ruin your day unless he's got a higher purpose. God is not out to fail to answer your prayers unless there's a greater calling and reason. Because he's got this massive unfolding Sudoku puzzle we call the world. And, and in the midst of that, we're called in certain roles. And it's not always what we choose, but it's always out of love. And not just on a micro scale, love on a macro scale. And so Paul's saying that here. He's saying, if, atis, if any encouragement, which of course there is in Christ, if any, at, comfort from love. If there's anything that offers consolation, if there's any participation, koinonia, in the spirit, fellowship, participation, that's my Aspen Grove analogy. If we're connected in the roots through the spirit of God, I can, look, my sister Catherine sitting right over there. And she's my sister Catherine because we have the same mother, mom, same dad, dad. But she's my sister. But my sister Carolyn's sitting right here. Miss Carolyn's my sister, so she's my second mom too. We have an interracial uh, mom-son relationship thing. But, but she is my sister through the Spirit of Christ. We are connected. We've got that common root system. And so Paul's saying, if there's any participation... In the spirit, any common root system, any fellowship, any koinonia, if there's any of that, and all of this, of course, being in Christ. But look at the, the there's, this is a freebie. This is because Capes is in here. This is just, I'm not saying Paul did this on purpose. But I'm saying this is the way his brain works and the Holy Spirit's involved. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, love of the Father, any affection of the Spirit, what do you have here? You have the Trinity. You have Christ, love, implied from the Father. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. And this is the way Paul thought. He does the same thing, very much so, in 2 Corinthians 13. And, and this gives you a, a good example of the way Paul's brain worked on this stuff. 2 Corinthians 13, verses 13 and 14. Uh, he says, all the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's the same triad. 
the same Trinity concept. Uh, Romans 5, 5. Paul's mind, you know, he doesn't use the word threeness, Trinity. We get it from the Latin. But it's the same idea. Look at Romans 5, 5. Paul says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us because while we were still weak, Christ died. You know, he, he thinks in terms of the three. And so we don't want to miss that within this because it's a kind of a neat thing. Each one of these. If there's any in Christ, if there's any from the Father, if there's any from the Spirit, if there's any affection and sympathy. Affection, splankna, is um, the entrails, the guts. And that was the source of feeling for Paul as a Hebrew. That's where he, he thought, that's, that's where your feelings were. That's the seat of your emotions. That's why you feel it in your guts. You know, you, you can't eat because you're upset. Or you eat too much because you're upset. Because, you, you know, it's, your, it's the seat of your emotions. And then sympathy, oitirmoi, uh, sympathy there is, is um, the manifestation in, in, in a compassionate action. Here's, here's, here's the way to think of this. What Paul's done here is the root and the fruit. The root, where it comes from. The fruit, how you see it. And so this is what the splankton and oitirmoi is. It's, it's the root, the affection, where it's from, the seed of your emotions, but as it's expressed in sympathy. So if there's any affection, any, any feeling that you express to people, and at this point we've just ran through four clauses. Let's go to verse 2. We got three clauses here. Paul's still on his roll. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, if there's any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Complete my joy. Plerosate is a neat word that Paul's used here. It's, it's top it off. You go ahead and top off my coffee. It's getting kind of low. Fill it up. It's already got some in it, but it's fill it up to the full. And so Paul says, fill up my joy. Paul's already got joy. He just wants it overflowing. Fill it to overflowing. You got to, when you read that word pleromai, plerosite here, when you read that word, You've got to read what's not being said. Does that make sense? He's not saying, give me joy. But he's saying in a way where it's clear he's already got joy. I don't have time to play it for you, but if you know the Bob Dylan song most of the time from his Oh Mercy album, his whole point is not what's most of the time, it's what's not most of the time. 
Most of the time, I'm clear focused all around. Most of the time, I can keep both feet on the ground. I can follow the path. I can read the signs, stay right with it. When the road unwinds, I can handle whatever I stumble upon. I don't even notice she's gone most of the time. And when you get to that point, you realize, oh, he's missing her. This whole thing's about when he's not focused when he can't keep both feet on the ground, when he can't follow the path, when he can't read the signs, when he can't stay right with it, when he can't handle what he stumbles upon because he's noticed she's gone. So you, you, you got to read not only what's said, but you got to read sometimes what's unsaid. And that's the way it is with, with pleromai, with, with a pleuro, the, the pleurosite here is, is complete. You know, he's already got some, but he wants it filled up to overflowing. So complete my joy by being of the same mind. Froneo, mind, is your mindset. We talked about this in chapter 1 because he uses the same word there. It's the mindset. It's your disposition. It's, it's, it's how you're thinking about things. He says, I want you to be, toalto, of the same mind. I want you to have the same mindset. I want you to have the same disposition. Now, this having the same love, this in the Greek, tain out tain agapain, agapain, this in the Greek is a little ambiguous. The same love that God has for us or the same love that we have, that we should all share in common with each other. And on that, you can just flip a coin. I mean, it, it's, it's both. It's not one side or the other. Either side that it lands on is true. Paul can write ambiguously sometimes on purpose. And Paul's used a phrase here that he wants us to have the same love that God has for us, but he all wants us to have it together for each other. So it's the same love we have that way as well. So this is part of letting your life, manner of life, be worthy of the gospel. Look, it's not a checklist. I had a visit uh, yesterday with a, a, a marvelous friend in Nashville, Tennessee, and she said, you know, I grew up for so long. She's in her, her 80s, mid-80s. She said, I grew up so long thinking that church and faith was a checklist. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Go to church, Sunday mornings. You know, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. She said, it took me into my late 70s before I learned that God's faith in the Christian walk is not a checklist religion. Paul's not given a checklist here. Paul's not saying, here are the seven thing, 17 things you need to do to let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. He's talking here about concepts, not checklists. Complete my joy. Be of the same mind. Have that same love. Care for each other. And all that that means. Be of full accord. Oh, I love this word. This is a combo word that Paul's making up, in my opinion. Uh, Maybe used some places I can't find, but sum pasukoi, sum means together. Pasukoi is is a soul. It's 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 people. If you saw, we'll get ten. I'm trying really hard to get this in. Did you see my video thought for the day yesterday on, uh, or Friday on the Abilene Christian thing? Did anybody see that? A few of you did. Okay, it's worth seeing again, but um, we didn't. Hold on, let's see if I can do that again. Okay, try. 
Yeah. When a global pandemic kept us at home, more than 500 voices of the Abilene Christian University community came together to provide a message of comfort and hope. Videos came in from around the world, including the U.S., Canada, Turkey, Germany, Thailand, and Japan. The Lord bless you and keep you as a long-standing and beloved tradition at Abilene Christian. being yeah that's 500 pe over 500 Thank people being one soul that's 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 the idea there that you can come together and 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 be united in what you're doing they were singing four different parts soprano alto tenor and bass different roles but all one and that's that idea that's that idea that Paul's talking about to, to be one soul even as you're more than 500 people. He wants this mentality. Now he continues with the same sentence. Being of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. He's still on a roll here. He's still in this sentence. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Look at this word selfish ambition. Aretheia is, is a huge concept in the Bible. Selfish ambition is not simply, um, uh, uh, I want to be king. Selfish ambition is, I want to be king more so than I care about you. And I'll walk on your back to get there. And this word is used, and this concept is used in the Bible over and over, and it's not a good thing. Let me give you just a couple of places where you're going to see this word being used. James 3.16. Hebrews, James. James 3.16. Look at this. James writes, and he says, Start at verse 13. Who's wise? I want to be wise. 
I want sophos. I want to be wise. Who's wise? Who's understanding among you? I want to be understanding. By his or her good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, if you have selfish ambition, that's the word, in your hearts, don't boast, don't be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above. This is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. You can justify doing anything if you think that you should be Lord High Muckety Muck. And I'm not just talking about being a world ruler or the head of a company. I'm talking about in individual relationships even. He says the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy, it's full of good fruits, it's impartial, it's sincere, and there's a harvest of righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. I mean, we don't want that selfish ambition stuff, do we? Look, I mean, in Galatians 5.20, I don't need to go back and read it to you, that's where Paul's talking about not the fruit of the Spirit, but he's contrasting it to the works of the flesh. And that's what this uh, is. It's this selfish ambition. 2 Corinthians 12.20. Paul uses the same word. And he says, I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and you may find me not as you wish. Perhaps there'll be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, it's translated conceit here, and disorder. It's not a good thing. Romans 2.8, Paul uses the word again. Romans 2.8, Paul talks about people who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. And these people will have wrath and fury for them, self-seeking, same word, contentious, in a way that's, that's selfish and ambitious. Uh, look, that's, that's Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 was selfish ambition. Oh, did God tell you don't eat the fruit? He just didn't want you to because if you do, you'll be like him, knowing both good and evil. This is good for you. Don't you want to be that way? And Eve and Adam are like, oh, well, when you put it that way, it makes good sense. I didn't know that this is important. I need to be that way. I'll, I'll be more useful for God if, I, if I'm like him. I mean, I don't think that they were necessarily just, oh, yeah, man, I've been so tired of God. I'm about ready to rebel. I think instead it was kind of like, oh, well, I guess in some ways I could be good for God if I were, let me be more than I was told to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be selfishly ambitious here, but I'm going to do it for good reasons. 
Mm -mm. And then this word, kindoxian, is, is translated conceit here. Um, huge concept as well. It's the idea of seeing yourself in a bigger light than you, you are. It's the pawn who thinks they're the king. But Paul's use of it is really kind of cool. Spoiler alert. Kenodoxian, kenos is empty. Doxia is, in this sense, glory. So this is someone who's empty but thinks that they're due glory. Paul's going to use those two words in the next couple of verses. He's going to not use them as one word. He's going to divide them. And he's going to talk about how Jesus emptied himself and God gave him glory. And he'll split those up for us to see what it looks like, but that's for a coming lesson. We don't have time to get there today. So let's finish this up. But in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Now, humility here is, is a combination of words, but you're looking basically at, at tapinos is the beginning word, and then he's got it with the, the word for mind combining there. Um, so so tapinos, this, this humility, was not a virtue in the Roman world. If you said, I'm going to, I, I want to be humble. In the Roman world, that was viewed as stupid. That was a word associated with slaves. The Roman world was really built significantly off the caste system. And there were classes of citizens and classes of non-citizens. And everybody belonged in a structured location. And humility was a slave word. Tapinos is something that the slaves were. No person in their right mind would view that as a virtue. It's very contrary to the word of God. It's very contrary to the ethics of God. The ethics of God says you don't stand up and say, look at me. <clears throat> I have a rock. The ethics of God don't, don't, you, you don't self-laud. You don't have false humility. But our pride is in God. And any good we do is because of God. And any good we are is because of God. And everything that's a positive reflects on the goodness of God, not ourselves. And, and to say, look what I did, in itself is, in a sense, taking God lightly. Because it's what God did through you. I would love to tell you that I got with mom and dad, and I said, look, y'all are going to have a son let me tell you how I want the DNA set up for me. 
but I didn't get that choice. I, I didn't get to pick my DNA. I didn't get to pick my, my appearance, what color eyes I'd have, my hair. I didn't get to pick 10 fingers and 10 toes. I didn't get to pick my, my thinking, the, 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 the cells that I've got in my brain. Now, not to say things aren't cultivated, not to say things aren't changed, not to say that we don't, aren't involved as significant beings with real choices, making real differences. But we understand even that we do by the grace of God when we do it right. You do it on your own, it's not right. And so this is a virtue because it's the truth. One of my childhood preachers, Ken Dye, said to me one time, Lanier, just make sure you, when you grow up you don't start thinking you're something on a stick. And I said, well, I don't even understand what you're talking about. And I've never heard that expression before. And I've never heard it since. And I said to him about a year ago, he's in his 80s now, I said, uh, Ken, man, I remember you telling me, don't think you're something on a stick. I said, where does that expression come from? He says, I don't know. I said, well, you said it. I remember where you said it. He says, well, I think I was just saying, you know, like you're to be paraded around like something big and special. But he said, I just kind of freelanced on that one, I think. I don't think I'd ever heard it anywhere. But this is what it is. Humility. Don't start thinking you're something on a stick. In humility, count others more important than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what we're to do. We're to live with our compass oriented to serving others, to loving others, to counting others important, to figuring out what's more important for them and not how do they serve me? How do I use them? Don't ever come to church because you think it's good for your business because you're going to meet people there who are going to help your business. You come to your church to worship the Lord and to plug into other people's lives. And if God can use you to bless them, great. And if you get blessed in the process, great. But don't put the cart before the horse. Don't let the tail wag the dog. All those expressions are there for a reason. So here are our points to ponder. I want to live in the ethics of the cross. Paul says, let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel. That involves encouragement. That involves comfort, affection, sympathy. I want to be that way for others. I want to live in the ethics of the cross, but I also want to understand the importance of unity. Paul talked about being of the same mind, the same love, full accord, one mind, Dale Hearn sent me a text this week. I thought it was so powerful, I put it up here. As COVID stirs back up again, read this. He didn't mean read it to y'all. He's probably mad at me for doing this. We need community. Frequent face-to-face -face committed relationships with each other. 
This is why we need church. But we need more than assembling to sing a few songs and listen to a preacher preach. We need honest and transparent friendships. We need to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. We need a place to rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So we need trusted relationships where we can confess our sins one to another and pray for one another so we can be healed. That's what we need. That's where we need to be united in that. We need to be of that same love, that same mind, and see the importantness of otherness. In humility, count others more significant. Let's see how we minister. Does that make sense? Okay, that's where we started. One sentence, ten clauses. It's time for church. I get to preach Esther, so I can't like visit. I got to get in there and totally forget Philippians, so there's room in my brain for Esther, which frankly, I'm a little worried about right now, so let's, you pray for me as I pray over you. Uh, Lord, all we're about is your business, and anything else we're about is just waste. Make that clear in our brain, not just right now in this prayer, but in the day-to-day, especially when things are tough. May we be about your business May we see others through your eyes. May we seek to minister to them, to love them, to care for them, to have real fellowship with them, to hurt with them when they hurt, to offer them the comfort and the consolation and the encouragement of Christ, of your love, of that participation we share in your spirit. This is our humble prayer before you, King of kings, Lord of lords, ruler of all, and our Father dear. Amen. See you guys in there. No excuse for cutting because I've seen you. And I'm going to be looking for you.